better than this guys me and dudes here on the draft dudes podcast presented by locked on it's joe marino and kyle krabs from the draft network and we are your hosts here on this wednesday edition of the show it's time to do that january mock draft so uh this is just a a total preview of exactly what's going to happen at the end of april glad you're here we were going to spoil the entire first round for you kyle welcome oh yeah it's ready. It's monk draft time. I'm ready. Hey, by the way, yeah. I want to give a special shout out to the draft dudes. I don't know why I did Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, nobody's mad about it. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, the draft dudes listeners have draft dudes back in the iTunes top 200. Bum, it's of the, the top sports podcasts in the world, draft dudes is on the top 200 list. How's Very business, excited Kyle? about that. How's it's, business? Booming. Booming. It's Business. booming. I watched two a tape last night. My podcast is in the top 200 on sports podcasts. We're doing a mock draft today on the show. Life is great. I'm doing a juice cleanse. Mm. You know, yeah, it's, we're, that, we're all in good shape here. You've you've talked so highly of this juice cleanse. I don't know why that got looped into everything good well, in your life right now. It works, if you know what I mean. <laughs> all right. Uh, we're going to do what the... <laughs> We're doing the first 16 picks yeah, or 15? Six, 16 picks today. All right. Because 16, 16 is half of 32. And I'm I'm uh, I'm the odd picks today. You are. So, you are. And this is fun because this is our first time doing this with like the actual order. This is the top, you know. Top 20. Yeah. 24 at this point. Top 24 is set. Yeah. 24 is set. All right. Shall we? Go ahead. Give us a sign. Uh, you do the little jingle. Is yeah. that what you're waiting on? Yeah. I'm going to need it. Dun, 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 The pick is in. Uh, this is going to be so boring. The first two picks are going to be oh, so man. boring every time. I'm going to uh, do something different just to shake it up. Yeah, you tried. You planted the seed. We're talking about the Bengals pick, and you're like, Herbert's going to the senior bowl. What if he knocks her socks off, and then they take <laughs> Herbert at number one? <laughs> Might happen. You never yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, you're full of shit. <laughs> Joe Burrow, quarterback, uh, LSU goes to Cincinnati, Bang- Cincinnati Bengals with the number one pick. Perfect fit for Zach Taylor's offense. Love the Cincinnati or the Ohio roots that come into play here. Um, yeah, I think it's a slam dunk pick, and I'm not coming off it. Joe Burrow to the Bengals. Uh, yeah, Ohio guy in Ohio, desperate need a quarterback. Makes all the sense in the world. Seems like Cincinnati. Uh, would have a natural fit there. So we're going to move right on to, to number two and I'm not going to do anything stupid. We're not going to take an offensive tackle. We're not going to take Jeff Akuda or Derek Brown. We're going to take the best player available, probably in the draft. I watched and, and did chase young, the defensive end from Ohio state. I did his write up last week and Joe, I sent you and Ben Solak a message on Slack and, I cannot remember the last time I watched a college prospect who won with as many counters with his hands as what Chase Young does. Like he's right there with the Bosa boys, but I think he's bigger and I think he's more explosive. That's a pretty scary thought. 
So Chase Young, this is best player available. It's a no-brainer. If anybody else was in the two-hole, this would be what they'd be chasing, uh, with the exception of maybe another quarterback-hungry team, which Washington with Dan Snyder there and Dwayne Haskins being the guy that he wanted and then Haskins showing promise at the end of the year. They're not going to be in the quarterback market at two. I like, um, just real quick on the Redskins, I like the OC hiring of Scott Turner uh, for yep. Dwayne Haskins. I think that's yeah, a good, really good fit. And Ron Rivera is the, you know, the CEO of that team now to be the the guy that kind of guides him through the early portions of his career. I think, man, just really good stuff happening there with the coaching staff. Uh, I got the Detroit Lions here at number three. Um, I think this is going to be a prime territory for a trade. I'm I'm listening to calls from Miami, uh, the Chargers, Carolina. I want to see if they want to come up and give me the moon for Tua, but uh, we're not projecting trades yet in these mock drafts. So, <laughs> so we're going Jeff Akuda, cornerback from Ohio nice. State. Uh, three consecutive uh, players that have been at Ohio State, the, the first three picks in the draft. How about that for some interesting nuggets? I, I just feel like Akuda would mean a lot to this team, right? I, I think uh, Darius Slay, his situation's somewhat weird right now. They don't have a guy opposite of him. Justin Coleman's better suited for the slot. I think he's the most meaningful player that they can take in terms of Matt Patricia getting this defense to play to the caliber it's expected to when he was hired to be the head coach of this football team. And um, he's a blue-chip cornerback prospect that thrives in press coverage, off-man. I don't necessarily love him in zone, but think of the things that Stephon Gilmore does for the Patriots. Akuda can do those things for the Detroit Lions and really help uh, this defense turn a corner. So Akuda to the Lions at three. Which puts the New York Giants at number four on the clock. And boy, this is a weird pick. Because you've got Dave Gettleman is still there. And the Giants just committed to Joe Judge to be their head coach after Matt Rule spurned them to go to... Well, who said that... They, Rule called Carolina after the offer from New York, or called New York after the call from Carolina. Was Rapport. that Ian Rapport? Yeah. Said, you know, he got the call from Dave Tepper in Carolina, and Rule called the Giants and said, here's my offer. If you match it, I'll come to New York. And New York said, no, thank you. <laughs> you go take your seven-year, 60 to $70 million deal with Carolina uh, but that's a conversation for another day. But I'm trying to think about with Joe Judge now as the head coach of the New York Giants, I mean, th- this has to inevitably be quintessential Dave Gettleman pick, right? What are you about to do? <laughs> I'm not about to do anything crazy. I'm just, <laughs> I, I was, uh, they need an offensive tackle desperately. They need a defensive end on the end desperately. I think Epinesa could with a strong pre-draft circuit warrant some consideration here, but I'm, I'm going to go with the best offensive tackle that I feel like is the best fit for the New York giants. The question is, who is that? Well, I think about the, the kinds of offensive linemen that Gettleman has acquired throughout the course of his tenure and, and, and some of his track record. And I think Andrew Thomas is the guy, you know, it, it was going to be interesting to see, you know, if they bring in, Rule if they bring in McDaniel's, if they bring in you know the, the head coach and the scheme that they try and run offensively could have at least made it interesting for which offensive tackle is the guy that gets the call. But with Gettleman calling the shots there, with Joe Judge being a New England guy and seeing the success New England had with Trent Brown at offensive tackle, with these big powerful dudes 
who don't necessarily have the most fluid feet aren't the the most dynamic in space when you ask them to mere pass rushers. Those are my concerns with Andrew Thomas, and I think it takes the right kind of scheme system to put Andrew Thomas in the top 10 where people have been consistently mocking him all year long. But for Gettleman, you know, thinking about putting Thomas next to Will Hernandez in the run game, Saquon Barkley is going to have a more run to, to more room to run than he's ever had in his entire life. So give me Andrew Thomas here at four to the Giants, but I think this is a the the pick to monitor as far as as we learn more about Joe Judge, it may dictate which offensive tackle we feel like makes the most sense. I think that's a good predictive pick for the Giants. Now, here I am uh collaborating with Uncle Dan here to make a pick for the Miami Dolphins. It's Miami right. Dolphins number one. Is the... I didn't. I wasn't going to sing that. Okay, oh, for the world okay. to have the audio clip for was, Kyle. I can, I can hope. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm up here with the Miami Dolphins number five overall. Um, man, we are happy to see Mister Tua Tungavailoa declare for the NFL draft, which means there's a belief that he's going to be healthy and just fine. He's got a dynamic skill set. I think he's perfect for uh, what works in today's NFL. I think he's perfect for Chan Gailey's uh, offense where there's a lot of quick game, uh, a lot of um, spacing concepts, but also the vertical components and some of the receivers they have in Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, guys that have shown they can win down the field. I think it just complements so much of what Tua can Tua's strengths are as a passer. You think about Kasiki and the way he – came on this year and and his catch point ability and his overall athletic profile and what he can mean to a Chan Gailey, to a Tungavailoa offense, get the offensive line right, get the running back situation right. But I've got my 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 facilitator. I've got my trigger man for a Chan Gailey offense and to a Tungavailoa. I think it's a perfect fit. And, uh, you know, the Dolphins, we talked about them needing that number one pick to get to it. But it's funny how things play out at, at the end of the season. And so, We'll see with the trade situation with Detroit, number three. But if, if it just holds serve, Miami's in a perfect spot to just sit there and get their dude into it. Right. It's, it was fun. I did two a tape yesterday, and there was a lot of fan bases chiming in, saying, can't wait to see him uh, in, in silver and black, and can't wait to see him in Colts yeah. blue and white. And I'm like, guys, oh. how are you getting there? No. <laughs> how do you plan on getting there? Please tell me. Um, the LA Chargers on the clock at six, and this team really needs some offensive line help. But this team is also facing the prospect of a quarterback change, and I think about the Chargers and the skill players that they have at their disposal and how they've had success and. I think there's a quarterback here that makes sense, and the Chargers are a team that I think if you stacked all 32 teams' rosters side-by-side, Joe, would you say the Chargers is the sixth worst worst roster in the NFL? Man, that's a big question to ask me on the spot, dude. (laughs) The answer is no. This team has talent. This team's defensive talent is excellent, and I think the Chargers have a pretty unique opportunity here to take advantage of being in a position to get one of the top quarterbacks in the class that you wouldn't get on an average year when the talent level of this team 
you know, is probably something that should be picking uh, 10 spots later in the draft order. So give me Justin Herbert to the Chargers. I like the West Coast vibe that, that he gets out there. I think he's we just found out yesterday that Justin's coming to the Senior Bowl, so you know he's going to star in that setting. We see, we've seen quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Daniel Jones came to the Senior Bowl and impressed and solidified themselves as top 10 picks. I expect Justin Herbert to do the same thing because as much as you have these frustrating lapses in his game, he's prototypical build. He's athletic as a runner. You saw that with some of the run game stuff they got him involved with towards the end of the year. He's got a big-time arm. He's He might have the best natural arm talent in the class. And an offensive coach is going to see all those variables, and they're going to say, I'm going to be able to, to fix some of the lapses in judgment that Justin Herbert has. Give me Herbert at six to the Chargers. I've got the Carolina Panthers at number seven. Kyle, let me ask you a question here. I'm going to put you on the spot, and you're not yes. prepared to answer this. but Yes, because I just the- did that to you, so it's only fair. <laughs> And I kind of just passed the buck, but uh, the hiring of Matt Rule as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. What do you what do you think that means for the likelihood Cam Newton's back as a starting quarterback in 2020? I have no idea, but I've thought about this since the hire came through. Same, but I don't have any idea. I was hoping you had something that could push me no, in the right direction. I have no freaking clue <laughs> what that dynamic is yeah. right now. Yeah. It's a total wild card. So the Carolina Panthers sit here at number seven. Jordan loves on the board in terms of quarterback options. There's a big part of me that says Carolina Panthers aren't going anywhere if they don't get their offensive line right. I mean, even like some like Matt Paradis was horrible at center this year. I, their left tackle situation is very unsettled. Man, they've recycled, they've been through like eight different left tackles day one, week one starters over the last eight years. Just crazy amount of inconsistency there. And I, I really do think that there's a component that just the Panthers aren't going anywhere if they can't get the offensive line right, particularly the left tackle spot. Here's the deal, though, man. Like, this offensive tackle class is deep. I'm not sure that the Panthers couldn't either trade back and still get an offensive tackle or get one at the top of the second round. That's like a meaningful starting caliber player. So that pushes me to go defense here. And one thing that just kind of – Searching for nuggets yesterday on Matt Rule, and obviously I'm excited about his press conference today and listening to that. I think that you're going to see Carolina be more about prototypes, and he talked about his recruiting strategy yes. at Baylor. Yes, and, I and heard this. Yeah, it's it's like we care about like what they are as players, but one thing that we helped close the gap on you know, the Oklahomas of the world that are just going to have better talent than we are is making sure that our guys check boxes in terms of length and speed and size. And so I think that's something we have to keep in mind now that we are starting to think about this new era of Carolina Panthers football. All right, with all that out of the way, I still think this defensive line here is where the value is. It's Derek Brown. It's this defensive tackle for Auburn. I don't think there's anyone like him in this class. I don't think that they're going to get a player that can make an impact like him at this spot that they, you know, I can I can push the buck on offensive tackle and I can get uh, Josh Jones or Austin Jackson or may- maybe Mekhi Becton with my next pick, but I'm not going to have another chance to get a player like Derek Brown to help my defensive line where I have a lot of question marks, a lot of guys uh, coming back from injury and KK short, a lot of different free agents here with uh, Vernon Butler and Gerald McCoy and Kyle Love. I think that he's the guy that can make the biggest impact 
at this spot. Give me Derek Brown to the Panthers at number seven. Yeah, uh, that that's a pick that even with the changes to the coaching staff, just based on the personnel and hearing Matt Rule talk about prototypes makes so much sense. So much sense. Uh, Joe, that puts the Arizona Cardinals on the clock with the eighth pick. And I keep swinging back and forth here on pass catchers and offensive linemen. But if you are to tell me that I have the opportunity to draft Jedrick Wills here at eight. Yeah. This is a best player available situation. This is also position of need situation. So this settles uh, the dilemma that I have with, well, do I give him CD lamb? Maybe Jerry Judy for Kyler Murray. No Jedrick Wills. He plays on the right side of Alabama. He is physically gifted enough to play either side of the line of scrimmage. And he is phenomenal. As far as his work in pass protection, Cliff Kingsbury is going to have a lot of uh, varying passing concepts with Kyler, where they're going to look to take advantage of Kyler's arm talent, work the ball down the field once they get more dynamic. And you got to have guys who are comfortable on the island in pass protection. And Jedrick Wills is that guy. He's that dude. So give me Jedrick Wills. I don't care what side of the line you play him on, to be honest. Let's get the combination of the best five guys. And Jedrick Wills is going to be the co- inside that combination of best five guys on every single team in the NFL. He's that good. I've got the Jacksonville Jaguars at number nine. And man, what a dream scenario for these guys. I think their two biggest needs are like wide receiver and linebacker. They've got a chance to sit here and take Isaiah Simmons, a linebacker from Clemson. They got a chance to sit here and get their choice of wide receiver. And if I have my choice, I want to get, you know, look, we're kind of stuck at quarterback a little bit here with the money that's been committed to Nick Foles, with the fact that Gardner Minshew is a more effective player for this team. I got to give my guy a chance because I don't know that I have the opportunity to take a new direction there quite yet. So let's see what we can do to help that quarterback. And you know how you help a quarterback? You give him friggin' C.D. Lamb. I mean, yes. he's going to he's gonna make your quarterback better. Like, he's he's a, a guy that's going to make your quarterback more accurate. The way that he can make plays on the ball, the way that he makes plays post-catch it, he just has no business making. I think that he's a quarterback's dream. And for a team like Jacksonville that needs that spark offensively, I think they can get it in C.D. Lamb. Now think about Lamb and Shark as the Jesus, two guys man. on the outside. Some dudes, right? Yeah, that's a lot of fun. That's a good pick. Uh, Cleveland Browns now on the clock at 10. And Joe, this is the easiest pick we've done so far. Even easier than Joe Burrow at one because the Cleveland Browns have a desperate needed offensive tackle. And there is one top shelf offensive tackle left on the board, although he has not officially declared for the draft yet. Iowa's Tristan Wirfs, another guy like Jedrick Wills, who can play right or left. Wirfs actually has tape playing on the left side because he was pulled into that role due to injury at some point this season for Iowa, but he's predominantly been the starter on the right side. Prototypical power. He's probably got, Joe, the best blend of power, length, size, mobility, athleticism in space. Wills is more of a technician. Wirfs, I think, actually has better physical tools at his disposal. So Cleveland Browns desperate needed offensive tackle to help fortify the offensive line for Baker Mayfield. 
Tristan Wirfs, he's available. That's the pick. Nightmare scenario for the Jets, huh? You think at 11, they're just hoping they can get one of those top three offensive tackles, and guess what? They didn't get them. All gone. They go. Well, and the reality is they don't have a second-round pick, do they? I could be misspeaking right there, but uh, I believe they do. Okay, it's the Redskins that I'm thinking about that yes. doesn't have the second round. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so okay, we're we're okay. We can we can take that same philosophy, yeah, and and try to take advantage of the the depth at offensive tackle. But I think now the value at F- offensive tackle is just gone. And whenever you know you have glaring need like that, you know I don't think you can reach for it, especially with the depth of offensive tackle this year. And you know, I think the Jets have some good things going on defense. Um, I think they need some help at cornerback quite a bit. I think another edge rusher would really help. But when I think about how I can best help this football team with a player that that fits the value here is getting my myself some help for Sam Darnold, who Robbie Anderson's wanting like 13 million plus a season. Yeah, get out of here, Robbie. Yeah, right, exactly. Nuts, go, go take a hike, man. Go get out of here. Go do something else. We got to get Sam Darnold, the go-to guy. And, and I think in Jerry Judy, the wide receiver from Alabama, he can get that. You know, Sam's a guy that I think he thrives quite a bit off structure, but when he can when he can work on schedule and guys are where they're supposed to be, you know, you think about some of the accuracy that Sam Darnold does have and how he could really mesh with a receiver like Jerry Judy, who's going to work to those spots and, and has some really dynamic acceleration in tight areas. And I think that would be a good marriage and I think I got to get Sam Darnold some help here in this spot. So Jerry Judy's the pick, wide receiver from Alabama to the Jets. Yeah, and I know um, Matt Miller in his uh, Friday column that he drops every week, he dropped recently nuggets for all 32 teams, and he made it sound like the Jets were really invested in, in landing an offensive tackle. Uh, so you know they have to be heartbroken to see two of the top three go in the three picks before them. Jerry Judy's no consolation prize. Yeah, he's he's extremely good. He he surprised me with the suddenness that he brought to the field, and you knew he was fast beforehand. Yeah, it's like, geez, man, he's he's moving at a different speed as everybody else, with the exception of Jalen Waddle and Henry Ruggs. <laughs> What's interesting about about Judy is like, I think I don't know when he opens his stride that he's like an elite speed burner guy, but he gets there so fast. Right, his short area. Yeah, is where he really shines with his quickness. Yeah. All right. So the Oakland Raiders on the clock at 12 here. We got a couple more picks here in today's show and dream scenario for the Raiders. Joe, what do we say about the Raiders every single time we look at their roster? Uh, They have bad linebackers. They've got they need athleticism (laughs) on the second level of the defense. Well, yep, (laughs) I've got a six foot five, 230 pound, quote unquote, linebacker who can run stride for stride with one of the fastest running backs in football in Travis Etienne. Literally raced him in a 40-yard dash, and they tied. Isaiah Simmons, linebacker from Clemson. And this, and I love this pick, because you get a lot of versatility. You saw in the semifinal game that they played uh, against Ohio State, Simmons played deep coverage safety and rolled to the boundary and had an interception. Yeah, and he plays Mike linebacker, and he stands up and blitzes off the edge as an outside pressure player. Unbelievable. He, he does so much. You go back and watch the 2019 college football semifinal against Notre Dame. He's playing press coverage against Miles Boykin, who ran 4-3 at the combine. <laughs> and he won the rep. Rare dude. Like, 
it's a it's unbelievable. And the fact that he's here at 12, like I get there's a positional value issue with Isaiah Simmons, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw this run start to pick up if a team like the Jets didn't trade yeah. back because a, a team's going to want to get in front of Oakland. But this is a rare bird as far as all of the things that he can do. If he's here at 12, it's a no-brainer. Give Isaiah Simmons to the Raiders. Here's a fun one. I've got the Indianapolis Colts at number 13. Kyle, I think this is a quarterback spot. And Jordan Love, the quarterback from Utah State, I mean, there was some kind of some sizzle there a little bit, even going into the start of the regular season about the Colts having some interest there. And I think Brissett proved that he's a upper caliber backup quarterback this year for the Indianapolis Colts. And Jordan Love is not without his warts, but his physical skill set is really, really exciting. And I think he's probably a better quarterback prospect than some of the guys we've seen go in the first round over the last three years, to be completely honest with you. And I trust Frank Reich and his coaching staff to get the best out of Jordan Love. And there's no pressure for him to play immediately because you did commit you know, to Jacoby Brissett some decent money that will allow him to bridge that gap for you next year as long as it takes. But I think that this would be great for Love. I think it'd be great for Frank Reich to have this type of a quarterback to groom and uh, allow to become the successor there and and take that offense over at, at some point. So I think that they're in the right spot to make this pick. And I, I, I get excited about the marriage of Frank Reich and Jordan Love here at number 13. It's funny. The, the quarterback push is strong, right? It's like it, couple months ago it was well you know Jordan hasn't had a great year and and Justin's kind of the same player but now that you're you're getting the live bullets and we see what the year materialized for many of these teams there's just too many holes there's too many holes at quarterback and too many guys like Jordan Love and Justin Herbert who are the two that that were kind of on the fringe they've got too many gifts to not go early yeah you know and, and the need is there and, and trust both of those coaching staffs really honestly with Anthony Lynn and his staff and, and Frank Reich and his staff where both of those teams win so now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are on the clock with the 14th overall selection and Joe this sucks <laughs> did I pull because, the rug out from under your feet uh, uh no I wasn't going to take Jordan Love but you've got uh, the top three offensive tackles are gone the quarterbacks are all gone so it's like well, what where the hell do I go now um, one area that Tampa Bay made great strides this past year uh, is with their run defense. Uh, obviously, Vita Vea coming on the way that he did was huge for them, but they are losing a big piece of that with Indominican Sue, who signed one of those mercenary contracts that he's signing seemingly every year now. Uh, the best value I see for the Buccaneers, I do not want to reach on an offensive tackle like Austin Jackson. Could I draft Mikai Becton? Yes, I could. And I think with his length, I think he could be an upgrade for them. But I don't love the value relative to if I'm looking at Javon Kinlaw, the defensive tackle from South Carolina, who I think in Tampa's physical front could really shine as far as playing the run and, and being a penetration style player. So give me Javon Kinlaw to replace and Dominic and Sue uh, for the Tampa Bay Bucks at 14. Man, if uh, they get Shaq Barrett back and you think about 
Yes. JPP, kind of what he was able to do when he came back from injury. Now you got Javon Kinlaw. You've got some dudes coming at the quarterback now over there in Tampa Bay, man. Yeah, life's really easy <laughs> for Devin White on the second level, too. Oh, geez, man. Yo, that's a good point. And that, I mean, there's David still there. And they just need those secondary, those those young defensive backs, man. They they just need some time on task, I think. You know, they've they've invested there and they deserve a chance to see if that can they can develop, but you know, that's certainly going to help them as as well when you've got that type of that type of front seven with that type of speed and ability to get downhill and play play behind the line of scrimmage, man. It's a that's fun. All right, I got the Denver Broncos here at number 15. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention or if you follow Benjamin Albright on Twitter. Uh, he's pretty much um, at every opportunity given us this nugget. The hey, Denver Broncos are going for speed at wide receiver. I mean, he's emphatically putting it out there here in January, and I know that Ben doesn't marry himself to concepts that he doesn't think are going to happen, right? I mean, he's been pretty outspoken about this. And so I'm not going to go against my man Ben Albright. I'm going to give them speed at receiver, and I'm going to give them ridiculous speed at receiver and Henry Ruggs from Alabama, who I think is going to, <laughs> I mean, just blow the roof off of the, of, off of Lucas oil stadium. Did you, did you see the clips of him on the, the hardwood? The other no, day? I, Oh God. Is oh it, my God, man. Is it what I think it's going to be in my head? Imagining him explosive, like John wall, like <laughs> ridiculous, like, like, Steals the ball, fast break the other way, and dunks, and like could have hit his chest on the backboard. He's jumping plus forty two inches, and he's running yeah. sub four three. And I he's mean, it's running, just, yeah. Oh, by the right. way, he's a good football player. Right, you know, like he runs, he he he, he separates. I think he plays through contact really well for a, a a guy of his profile. And you know, you think about him and Sutton as a really nice one two punch. And what they can mean for Drew Locke, who's a good vertical passer. And you got something brewing there in Denver, especially with Brad Chubb coming back, the defensive success they already have, Mike Munchak being able to, you know, have another year with this offensive line group, Juwan James coming back. All right, let's go. Let's uh we got some excitement brewing there in the in the mile high. For sure. I like that a lot. And our last pick today, the Atlanta Falcons on the clock at 16. I'm going to give them A.J. Epinesa, the defensive end from Iowa. So Atlanta has typically gone after smaller body defensive ends, and they've really struggled to find consistency there. I think you can get more shine out of a Tack McKinley. If you give him somebody on the other side that can consistently be the one that's set in the trash. And what I mean by that is Epinesa at the point of attack on the strong side of the formation where he's going to have to deal with that extra chip or the tight end over top of him that's going to hit him on the way by. Epinesa can really sift through a lot of that with his heavy hands and his length, and then he can really collapse the pocket and push the quarterback into the space side of the of the protection set. So I really like A.J. Epinesa and what he can do to complement what the Falcons have defensively. So give me A.J. Epinesa here at 16 to the Falcons. Joe, that does it for us today. Uh, real quick, real quick, real quick. I need yes. I, one, My big takeaway here from kind of navigating through this, I understand that we haven't heard from the Clemson kids and the LSU kids because they're playing in the Natty next week. A little weird that we haven't heard from Tristan Wirfs and uh, A.J. Epinesa, the Iowa kids, in terms of their... NFL draft intentions and uh, Creed Humphrey too. You know, we're, we're still sitting uh, on some, some pretty prominent names. Yeah. But I thought it was weird that both those Iowa guys, 
we'll see. That's all. Just wanted to put I, that out. I, there. It made it. The whispers made it sound like Epinesa was more likely to come out than than Werfs. They they were saying during the season. I think it was Tony Pauline was saying Werfs is considered fifty fifty on whether or not he comes out. Mm. All right. So hold on to your breaths because this could get even more interesting if these guys go back. Yep. And we'll run a mock after that happens because the deadline's the twentieth. So after the Senior Bowl, lock us in for our next mock. But we have to finish this one first. We're going to do that uh, tomorrow on the show. So come back and see us. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. Please direct all of your complaints on the picks you did not like to at the or at Benjamin Solak. Thanks, guys. Talk to you tomorrow.